Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning into the show today. Before we get started, I am asking for donations to keep my show free of ads and interruptions and provide the best quality information out there. There is a link in the description below. And again, thank you so much for supporting my podcast and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path. Covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between. Making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. One and we are recording. Hello, Don. How are you? I'm well, Michael. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm really happy to have you on the show today. Um, it was interesting. I was just on your show, The Superpowers, mm-hmm. with you and Karen. And it was great because I found out so much about you and we have so much in common. And I was like, yeah, I was like, okay, we're going to have a, like an amazing podcast. This is going to be like, I, I usually schedule for 50 minutes, but I think it's going to be like an hour and a half. So if we go, just, <laughs> Probably. We just we'll just go on. Right. So yep. one of the things I found out about your superpower is that you're a medical intuitive. So uh, I was pretty, I was like going, all right girl after my own heart here. I like this. So how did that really develop for you? Was it over time or was it just something that because of all the time that you spent working on the human body as a massage therapist and through acupuncture, did it just kind of evolve or did you take a course and then you just were interested in developing your psychic ability and it all kind of fell together? Kind of walk me through your process. Sure. It was actually, I'd say probably a combination of both, which I think it probably is for a lot of people. I had always been interested in the metaphysical from a very young age. And I knew that I had um, psychic abilities, but I really didn't, other than keeping them to myself, I really didn't share them much with other people. And when I went off to, when I graduated high school, went off to in college, uh, I just found that I could just feel, and I, I assumed that it was what all massage therapists do when they're treating their patients. They're, to me, guided by the body to go to certain areas, work on certain things that might not necessarily fall into the typical protocol of the treatment plan that we're, we're taught step-by-step step in, in school. So, but I just thought it was just what you develop as a massage therapist, you just develop that instinct. And it was a few years later where I, I learned that no, apparently I treat people a little differently than, than other massage therapists. And at that time I started, um, look, I'd already been a Reiki master. I, I did that while in college. And I got into, I loved cranial sacral therapy because of my, I'm, I'm a very sensitive touch. Like I can, I can dig deep in the body and really feel those subtleties. I, had always wanted to become, uh, always wanted to study cranial sacral therapy. So I, I started doing that. And that's where I think it took my abilities to the next level because the way that they, they teach it, I studied at the Upledger Institute in Florida and the way they teach it is to follow your instincts, not, not just listen to the science and the research and the step-by-step protocols, but really listen to the person's body, listen to their needs because it's our belief that the body knows best. So that's where it really kind of gave me permission to take a step outside my box and play a little bit more with, with really listening to the body. And that's where I started to develop a um, vocabulary and a dictionary. And I started to notice that people's bodies were saying things or I was seeing things or I just knew things. And when I actually paid attention to them and took a chance and followed what the body wanted, I was getting even better results. And I kind of became a whole, more of a holistic practitioner for people rather than just a massage therapist. Oh, that's, so that's... I, yeah, it, that's kind of how it started. Wow. That's really cool. So mm-hmm. just to, uh, just to clarify, so for a lot of people who are out there, um, can you just describe what uh, cranial sacral therapy is? I've had it myself. I love it. It's usually like, again, it's my massage therapist will have that as a little extra bonus. If you could just yeah. kind of talk about that, because I think that's pretty fascinating too, as well. Sure. It's uh, an osteopathic technique. Okay. Uh, this one, uh, the, the, the name cranial sacral therapy was coined by a, a osteopath, Dr. Upledger. And it's following the rhythm of the 
central nervous system and the cerebral spinal fluid. So as our body produces cerebral spinal fluid, our skull expands. And then as it drains down our spinal cord, our skull contracts. And based on how healthy those bones are set in the body throughout, not just the skull, but throughout the entire body, that movement can be restricted in certain areas and that can cause disease, dis-ease. Yeah. Uh, and so then what we do as cranial psychotherapists is we tap into where these restrictions are and we free them up. Yeah. Now I just had a question too, as well, because you are a Reiki master too, as well. Now you were doing that prior were you a Reiki master before you went into massage therapy or was it after massage therapy that you started? It was, it was during, I had stomach, uh, summer jobs, uh, in retail and my boss was, uh, you know, her and I would talk about, all that fun stuff, Zodiac, ghosts, the whole bit. And she came across this thing called Reiki. And I think I was in my, maybe my, just finished my first or second year on summer break. She came across this course, asked me to do it and I did it. And it was really cool. Again, it was my first time getting to see, to study something outside of modern day Western medicine. And it, I just totally fell in love with it. So as the years went on, I, I took it very slowly. I took a year between level one and two, and then I took uh, six months between advance and then another six months before master. So I did take my time. Uh, yeah. But by the time I was done my massage therapy course, I then also kind of at the same time finished my Reiki master. Yeah, that's the, you know, that's an actually a really good approach. I wish I would have done that. I kind of went like back to back to back when I took mine and I realized I didn't have time to process it because that was one of the things uh, as myself, as I teach, you got to realize that you got to take time in between to integrate all the changes that are going to be happening. So that was a really smart approach on your part. So your intuition was working overtime on that. And I remember you I do kinda, take a long time. Yeah. <laughs> so, so one of the things um, on your show, when I was on your show, you were talking about how Reiki is kind of like our gateway, our gateway drug. It kind of gets you gateway going. Drug. Did that really spark your intuitive abilities after you did the Reiki? Because did it really kind of just kind of open it up? Because I know a lot of people that I work with do the Reiki. And then all of a sudden they're like these really psychic freaks. It's like, uh, it's amazing to see. Like it's just, they're open, they open, their clairvoyancy opens, their claircognizance, all this stuff just starts opening up. And it's really amazing to see. Was that kind of the same uh, way with you? I wish that was my story. Unfortunately, not. No. I no. I I. It was a new tool in my toolbox. But okay. for me, yeah, it didn't. It didn't elevate me to a new level of consciousness. Unfortunately, yeah. I think yeah. maybe I was just too young. I mean, I was 20, 21, 22. Okay. So I think I was still in that very scientific frame of mind. The way I approached learning Reiki was very scientific. And I was really still, I think, trying to stay in that respectable realm. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I, but I thought it was really cool that I could feel heat and kind of get a sense of where there might be uh, either a trauma or something without actually getting into the tissue. But that was probably as far as it went. Yeah. So yeah. it's very much clinical because I mean, that's part of the programming, right? It's like, this is the set standard of how you're supposed to do things. So right? you can't deviate. And that's what I, I have a lot of uh, uh, st students who are naturopathic students and they're, and they're basically, they say the same thing. They get so hard to get in that structure. This is how you're supposed to do things. Anything outside that, that's like, no, 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 you can't do that. No. How dare you do that? And, they, and it's like, you know, and because they, they're craving stuff like this, like the medical intuition, they're craving that. Mm. So um, with your medical intuition, is it something that you do just on the side? Like when you're seeing massage therapists, uh, a massage patient, do you do that on the side or is that conjunction with that? Or do you do like in a separate, separate reading altogether? How does that work? I guess after finishing up my cranial sacral and somatoemotional release class uh, courses, I... I used to keep everything separate and let people pick what they wanted to come in, whether it was acupuncture or massage or cranial or Reiki. And I would end up using everything on each person. So about 10 years ago, I just made it one appointment. And when they come in based on what their body says, that's when I start bringing out the different techniques because each person is completely different and each session with that person is completely different. 
So that was probably where I shifted without realizing it to a medical intuitive style of practice. But it was only actually last year that I kind of came out of my broom closet and started calling my, uh, my, my, the way I practice as, uh, as like a medical intuitive style massage therapy. Wow. That's cool. I think, I think that's a lot of it. Cause I know I basically came out of the, uh, of the psychic broom closet myself dabbling it for years. Like I've been doing readings, uh, off and on for almost 10 years, Reiki for over 18 years now. Um, then I had a clinical practice as myself. And then it just, I don't know, life just took a different, different direction and where I was going. And yeah, it took me a long time to finally people go, why don't you do this full time? And it's like, I don't know. Like, you know, and then finally with COVID, you know, I always say it's like COVID was kind of this blessing in disguise. It really kind of forced me to kind of get, all right, you need to get back into this. And it's been amazing so far. It's been really incredible. So with the patients you're seeing now, are you seeing anything that's different um, because of your medical intuitive? Like, are you seeing certain patterns in people are, are they releasing more of the emotional aspects of it? I'm always fascinated to find out as a, as somebody who works with people on an ongoing basis and treats people, are you finding certain like diseases or certain um, emotional patterns that you're finding in people? Is it just basically under lump thing? Like it's just stress. They're just all stressed. They're all upper neck and they all have the Tyrannosaurus Rex syndrome where they're from the computer, <laughs> you know, yeah. things like that. Or is it just something altogether? Uh, it, it's funny you say that because of COVID, there was a huge shift. I couldn't believe the shift. What led me originally to sw- making that switch and being more intuitive with my practice and letting my patients know, hey, if you're coming to see me, I will listen to what you're saying, but I'm also going to listen to what your body is saying. And we're going to negotiate and, and compromise. And you might not necessarily get just a neck and shoulder massage. You might get other things. And, and the people who came to see me are the ones that are okay with that. But when I came back or when I created that, like made that shift, it was because for years, everyone was so stressed, so, so drained energetically, emotionally. And I wanted to tap into that to help people a little bit more than when people come in and they're, you know, they, they talk about the Transaurus Rex or the tension in the shoulders. There's so much more to that than, than just physical tension. So I created that, I made that shift. And funny enough with COVID and everyone being locked down, isolated, not having that physical interaction, the people who are coming to see me now, I'm finding their bodies are actually craving more touch. So I'm, I'm doing more massage right now than what I probably have in, in a decade. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it totally caught me off guard, but it makes sense with the times. And if I'm really listening to the body, then, then it does make sense that that people are needing more actual physical touch, that loving embrace, you know, that, that caring, nurturingness to it. And I still, I still, you know, I've got the people who have hormonal imbalances or um, gut issues, that type of thing. I, I find it does typically come down to the nervous system, hormonal system. Uh, but right now it just so happens that the body's craving touch. Touch, Yeah. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I know a lot of people have been talking about, you know, touch therapy and stuff like that. And because of COVID, this kind of new way where we're not actually touching anybody, we're always this distance apart. And I know there's been a lot of research over the years to talk about how important touch is. And they talked about different societies where, you know, hopefully I won't screw up this, uh, this study where they talked about, you know, certain cultures touch more like Latin American, Italian, European, you know, like French, they're always touching, hugging, cuddling. And they had a a lot, lot better health uh, overall because of that connection where you take like, like the UK, everybody was, you know, were raised, you know, don't, you know, very, very proper. We can't touch. And they look at certain cultures and, you know, those who have more physical contact and touching tend to be a lot healthier. But now with this whole COVID thing, and they're really pushing now, like this is the new norm, like no contact. And I wonder if that is actually going to make it worse because there is no contact because of that different connection. Now, I know a lot of it has to do with, with again, heart-based connections, because that has to deal with the heart center and it's the thymus gland. And that thymus gland deals with, you know, really important with the, um, 
with the uh, immune system. Mm-hmm. Have, have you uh, heard of that study, you know, or something similar to that? I have, yes. And I, lo- I love reading research. I love staying on top of all of that type of stuff as well. And I, that's one of actually the studies that I, I it's funny you brought up touch because I used to do a, a talk on touch, the importance of touch. And I would bring up um, how the different cultures do it and the effects on those of us say in Toronto who are a little bit more stoic, how our thymus and our pituitary and our heart and our pericardium are affected on a physical level, emotional level and, and uh, energetic level. What was funny though, is that people would fall asleep in my, t- my in my talk. <laughs> no one cared, no one cared about the importance of touch, but I think now, I think we're coming to the realization of just how important it is. And I think that's really, you know, I always, you know, that's why I always kind of like, you know, the universe has its own plan for us. And, you know, it's really shifting the focus on what's really, really important in your lives, you know, because the things that we thought were important are not necessarily important anymore. And the certain things that we thought were, uh, you know, touching, who cares? But I know myself, I crave it. I crave it all the time. I know that it helps me like, um, like I, my friends, I, I have to say I have the best friends because they're the best huggers. I love people who can give a proper hug. And I have a friend of mine, she's awesome. She gives like the best hugs and you just feel that. I just feel like recharged up. My heart center fills up and I just feel like I'm like I'm off to the races. Like it's just that warm, comforting hug. And I think that's so important that we're missing from this because we're just not having that close connections anymore. And I think that's really something that's missing. Yeah, and I worry about the effects because however long it takes for us to get through this, to get back to some kind of normalcy, I can see it taking two, three, dare I say even four, five times as long to recover from the mental and emotional and then the physical draining of not having that interaction with people. I'm, you know, I'm, I am concerned. Yeah, I, I definitely believe that too. I think that's, that's really the kind of the, the, the bigger picture there that what's going to happen. Yeah. COVID is a, you know, it's a shit thing that happened and a lot of people are suffering. A lot of people have died, all that crazy stuff, but there's that whole bigger picture that's causing it the bigger health issues is those mental, emotional, and spiritual aspects too. They're not being addressed too as well. I know we always talk about, you know, mental health, but again, with mental health, a lot of it comes from, I'm not saying a lot of it, but a lot of it could be prevented just by human contact and being connected. That sense of community and that sense of connection is such an important thing. I've always found that out, which is really, really important. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that you're doing more touch basically therapy and you're doing that. I mean, and it's perfect. You're the perfect person for it because you have such a big background in knowing the body too, as well. Now, are people coming to you like for specifically for medical intuition? Because now that you're kind of out of the closet, are they kind of calling it say, Don, I get this rash. I don't know what's going on. Or I got the stomach issue or this pain somewhere. I can't figure it out. My GP doesn't know what's going on. Are you finding people coming to you just for those specific reasons, you know, or them plus the massage because you're such a good massage therapist? Well, thank you. I've been fortunate that I've had pretty much the same clientele for 20 years. And the entire time they've been doing that where they would send me, you know, an email saying, I know this isn't necessarily what you do, but this is what I'm picking up on. This is what's happening. Do you have any, do you have any insight? But just this past year when I've made the shift, I'm, yes, I'm getting newer patients who are coming to me with that, that intention of having some kind of medical diagnosis or being able to figure something out that maybe their GP hasn't been able to. And I hadn't thought about it too much after declaring that title, how it might actually be perceived by the general public. And so I'm trying to, I'm actually at this point right now where I'm trying to navigate how to describe what it is that I do as a medical intuitive, because we're all so different. Yeah. And that whatever I'm picking up on isn't everything that whatever I'm picking up on is what either their body wants me to see or what I'm able to help them with or both. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's been interesting just the last few new patients that I've gotten, you know, I've gotten a a call, you know, at 10 o'clock at night saying, 
you know, uh, my husband's in the hospital or he just got released from the hospital with kidney stones. Can you see him? And, <laughs> and I'm like, why? And then I realized it's because they, they associate medical intuitism with, with being able to, I guess, magically make kidney stones better. I'm not sure, but it's, it's made me realize how I need to be very aware of how I, uh, what language I use. And yeah, I, I th- yeah, I think that's really important, you know, because, you know, everybody's looking um, for that type of easy cure or stuff like that. And oh, you can just fix me, just fix me. And uh, they're always looking for that. And I know that's one of the things, you know, I mean, I struggled with too, is when I do my readings, a lot of my readings were based on, are basically health readings. And um, for the most part, it's looking overall on a holistic approach. And I don't consider myself uh, what they would call a medical medium. And I've always struggled with that concept, like medical medium. Okay, so am I more of an intuitive diagnostic or am I a medium, medical medium? And I think for mediumship, it's working with spirit, that spirit's telling you what's going on with that body versus your own psychic abilities picking up for that. And I think for most of us, it's usually our psychic abilities. Now, do you find it's more of your psychic abilities or is it with spirit that's helping you guide your intuition? It's definitely my own abilities. However, okay. I do practice mediumship and I find by continuing to practice mediumship, it keeps my vibration high enough where I'm, I'm able to see more. I don't necessarily receive information from spirit, but there are times when I'm in with a patient, something's not really making sense. And it just so happens that their mother appears and kind of gives me some kind of insight into what it might actually be outside of something that's physical. And so there, there are those moments like that, but for the most part, it's, I'm very, for, very fortunate to have the, the five clairs or the four clairs. So I, I use my abilities to really see what someone is presenting with. Okay. So let's just talk about the clairs. Cause for those who are listening and, and people are not, you know, understanding for, you know, it's, you know, claircognizant, clairvoyancy, clairaudience. Uh, uh, so those are things. So if you just want to kind of go over that, um, what do you find that you use the most? Um, are you more clairvoyance, clairvoyancy and stuff like that? So just tell me what your four clairs are. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been trying over the years to figure out which one is the strongest, but I, I'm definitely, I think, par for clairvoyance, which is being able to see. So when I see, when I look at someone, I can either see what I call an energy cyst or see their body folding. I can see something or even an object in, you know, to represent something. So I can see things. I can, um, Claire cognizant is really strong for me as well. I just know. And that one's one of my favorites because you, you really have to trust that one. Because yes. it comes out of nowhere and there's no, nothing else, but just this, this sense of knowing. So that one is probably my favorite, but that one I get a lot and clairsentient being able to feel, you know, I'll be, this was probably the first one that developed for me when I was treating a patient, I could feel either their pain or I could feel how, what I was doing to them was feeling okay. almost like a voodoo doll. <laughs> Sometimes actually I still do that. I'm like, I'm just going to pretend this patient is me because I have the same problem right now. <laughs> so kind of just. I don't know if you should say that. Me. I don't know if that's good advertising. You know, <laughs> people be going, listen to this going, yeah, I'm not going to go see this girl. This is crazy. Yeah. She's going to use me like hey, a voodoo doll. I know. <laughs> yeah, maybe not the best <laughs> way of explaining it. But it's more of a, just a light description there, people. So uh, yeah, yes. don't, don't be, don't yes, be, uh, don't not. get all freaked out. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, Claire, and- yeah. Now that one too, as well, uh, myself, I, I like the clairsentience, but I've been, I've been also really a strong empath. So the two combined together, mm. uh, I call it my curse. Um, I called yes. it for years uh, because I just feel all the time, feel all the achy, gross stuff, motions like, oh, it took me so long to figure out what it was and how to deal with it. But yeah, but Claire Cognizant, I love that one too. That's one of my yeah. faves too. You just sit there and it's yeah. like, yep, 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 yep. You just know it. It's just, it's just coming through and it's like, it's not me. And it's like yeah. all this information. Yeah. So yeah. definitely that clairvoyancy for sure for, I don't know myself, um, that's kind of like the, the one I go to can't figure it out. I can see it, but then it's like, okay, what is that? You know? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's where I think my, 
my touch comes in is once I, I start to touch someone or tune into their energy, then I can get a little bit more information from the other senses, including um, auditory, like clear audience, because then I can hear things that I think for me, it's all of them together create a dialogue from between me and the body and point me in the right direction of what the body's trying to communicate. Yeah. And that's the great thing. The body always knows. I've always heard that from practitioners. The issue is in the tissue is what they say, you know, it's always there. So your body never lies. I mean, it's basically your subconscious mind that your body Mm -hmm. is and anything that's wrong, what's happening. It's, it's reflected in the body. So, and it's the mental emotional that's kind of gets stuck in there. And that's those energy. And, you know, you, somebody, like yourself, who's a body worker, just knows. Like it just, that's the one thing I, I love about massage therapists. You can say, oh, I got a pain here. This is what's going on. And then they start digging around. Then you go, oh, I didn't know that was there. And they just kind of know. It's like, you know how you, uh, like those old Ouija boards where your hands kind of mm-hmm. like are, are dousing. They kind of just know exactly yeah. where to go. Your hand goes, zip, bang. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, meanwhile, hey, that's my, my lower back sore. No, 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 let's work up here. And meanwhile, your psoas muscle way up here that you got to work on. And then that's causing everything else. And it's just, it's always so fascinating, you know, and I think, you know, I think one profession that you guys get so underpaid for and so don't get the recognition is massage therapy. I think it's one of that is that is definitely a superpower to have be to have a, a, somebody who's a massage therapist. I've always been a big fan of massage therapists and what they do on a daily basis, because it I mean, it's a difficult job. It's not always the, the best. I mean, Imagine, you know, I can imagine like you get some dude that's, you know, super, super hairy and, you know, there's always these crazy things. It's like, oh, Lord, you're going to see this guy. <laughs> but you, but you're just a willingness to kind of go in there and get the grind. And like, I mean, I've heard so many things like just your bodies too as well, because if you're in a busy clinic, you can get burnt out. Like I've had so many people that I've known over the years who massage therapists and they get burnt out. Like, I mean, their forearms, their elbows, their shoulders, their back, everything, because they're doing all the work. And then I found out they're the worst ones because they don't get massages themselves because they're so busy working on everybody else. It's like, <laughs> why don't you go for massage? Oh, I just don't have time. I'm too busy. Yes. I'm too busy. I hear that. I'm too busy. I don't have time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I will be glad to say right now that I booked a massage for two weeks from now today, but it nice. has been months. <laughs> that's my last massage so yes yeah and you know what you're absolutely right we burn out so easily I uh I actually left my practice I closed it I gave up massage therapy completely in 2019 and it was because I was so burnt out I I just I thought I was walking away from it completely I went and got a job uh as a, a wine consultant and I thought okay this is my new life uh, but it was when, you know, things started happening with COVID that I, I got that calling back um, to come back to practice. And by then, luckily, I had taken the time I needed to recover. Yeah. And this time I'm, I'm doing things differently. You know, instead of seeing 20, 25 people a week, I'm, I'm pretty much 10 or below. That's smart. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's amazing. You probably needed that time just to, a way just to kind of recharge and just oh, yeah. let the body just kind of just, you know, and that's interesting. I kind of did the same thing. Like, um, even with my Reiki practice, I was in a busy chiropractic clinic and I was just like, they were just throwing people at me and I was just getting burnt out. And then I was also volunteering at a cancer support center too, as well. So I was just like, oh, it was just like, I got totally burnt out and just, just burnt out kind of spiritually. And that's when I just kind of did that thing for a while. You kind of had to get back to it, but uh, that's amazing. So one of the things I found interesting about you is that you're a triathlete which is very, yeah. very cool. Like, I mean, how oh, did you get into tri- I mean, I look at triathletes as they're, I think they have to be partly crazy. Oh, absolutely. I don't know about yeah. partly that might actually be the driving force. <laughs> driving force. Cause I, I always say crazy. like, you know, like how do you decide it's like, I'm going to run a triathlon. If I had to pick the hardest, most difficult, you know, physically, <laughs> mentally, um, even spiritually to get out there because you have to grind. There's three, there's three disciplines, the swimming, the biking, the running, and you got to do it every day and you got to train different systems every day. But the fact that you go out in there and do it all the time and all those crazy mm-hmm. miles, like I, my brain kind of goes, man, that's just nuts. Like what, what was it just something in your life that you say, Oh, I'm going to be a triathlete or are you just, there's uh, something that you were an athlete prior to doing this. I guess. Yeah. I've always been an athlete. I, after college, I wanted to get into running, but the repetitiveness led to more injuries. So a friend of mine got into triathlon and, and when I was younger, I had swam and I 
biked. I mean, every kid bikes. So I thought it would be fun and followed him into the sport. And it turns out that I'm not, I wasn't too bad at it. I mean, this was, you know, 13, 14 years ago. So I did, did quite well in the early years because it's such a popular sport now. It is high competition now, but back then it was still fairly new and growing. So yeah. I, uh, I got into all three and it just helped me with cross training. That was really what it came down to was I, I liked all three sports and by doing them all, it kept me injury free. Yeah, that makes total sense too as well. And it's not as boring. And that's one of the things, uh, you know, over mm-hmm. the years, you know, training and stuff like that, you just kind of get bored. And mm-hmm. I love the idea. Like that's when, you know, I mean, I wasn't into triathlons, but I, I was a swimmer. I was a, uh, a lifeguard and that was just through college. Part of our uh, college curriculum, we had uh, a swimming uh, was part of the uh, overall swimming and running were the two main Very ones. Cool. And I, I, I love being in the pool. I haven't been in the pool for so many years, but the fact that I love that cross training, like that was just so good. And I look back now, it's like, God, I was such a good swimmer, man. I could swim for hours and I had some good speed on myself. And, but if I go in the pool now, I'd probably get halfway. And it's like, okay, give me the ledge. <laughs> I'm sure that it would be one of those moments, like riding a bike where you yeah. just, you pick it up and you're, you, you transport back in time. Yeah. Yeah. So- yeah. You know, it's interesting because, you know, because, you know, with listening to your story and then Karen and then Karen's husband mm-hmm. is kind of yeah. my, my brain's kind of going, man, I want to get back in the pool. And, mm. you know, it's like, maybe mm. there's a calling there. Huh? Well, just didn't get my fat ass, uh, you know, and do oh. something. That's, that's basically <laughs> a lot of it is too. Cause you know, me being a dairy, I got to go, 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 go. You know, mm-hmm. I'm always constantly on the on emotion, but I've been training for years, uh, but it's mainly more uh, weights and stuff like that and conditioning. Uh, Which is but, important. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it's important. I, I, I like that difference, uh, the different uh, types of training too, as well. Mm-hmm. Do you find with your massage therapy, uh, it gives you a better kind of feel for your own body to kind of know what's going on? Especially if you know, it's like, mm, my Achilles is a little tight here, or I need to stretch this out or? Yes, I, I see it both in myself, I can feel it in myself and then see it in others when people come in and they, you know, look a certain way or mention something, I realize, oh, yeah, that was me too. So it's kind of, it's both parts where in you know, when I wake up and my elbow hurts, I'm like, okay, I need to, you know, pay attention to that to make sure I don't develop tendonitis. But at the same time, when someone comes in and they talk about their jaw, then they, oh yeah, you know what, my jaw's been really tight too. So it kind of works both ways. Yeah. No, that's cool. So uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you about uh, with your medical intuitive uh, was we talked about symbols, and I've always been fascinated about because I know I have my own language what I see. Now, what we're talking about is when. Um, when you're actually working with somebody, so those who are listening, and we talk about symbols, each individual is going to produce a symbol. And I'll just give you an example. So one of the examples uh, I see if I'm working on somebody, I may see a piece of pizza. And I use that when I'm training actually people too as well. So a piece of pizza, and you see that in your clairvoyancy, and you're wondering, okay, why am I seeing a piece of pizza? But then you kind of break it down. So that there's, there's the there's language around the pizza. So the pizza could mean just mean something to deal with Italy or Italian, but then the pizza could also represent junk food. And then the, then, you, then depending on how the pizza looks, is it greasy? Is it not greasy? Is it cheese oozing out? So the cheese thing might be a dairy issue. So I always kind of look at those type of things for symbols. So this is when we're talking about symbols, you know, and how to, to kind of figure out, I know you had some you know, interesting symbols too, as well. Do you want to maybe touch on some of your uh, psychic vocabulary <laughs> pun intended with a touch on it yeah uh absolutely this is one of the, the i think the most fun parts of developing uh your intuition is is developing your own vocabulary and your dictionary and sure it would be easier to just have everyone on the same page with everything meaning the same thing but i don't know i find it kind of fun to to come across new uh, new symbols. Uh, I, I remember earlier on, and this is where I think both the, the Claire's come in. I get multiples at the same time. As I remember, uh, I was really young in my twenties and I was working on a woman and I heard the word Daisy, but I saw a woman. Now, usually when you, if I, if you hear the word Daisy, you think of the flower, yes. but it wasn't. And it, instead it was, I got the sense of a, a woman rather like her name. And so when I brought it up to the patient, sure enough, her mother's name was Daisy. And that just happened to be one of those like mediumship moments where where she was coming through. But other ones are uh, like one of my, the one I see the most probably is pickles because a lot, (laughs) because to me, pickles mean electrolytes. 
Okay. There's an electrolyte imbalance. Uh, so yeah, a lot of people come in either dehydrated or yeah, lacking, you know, salt is still the enemy for some reason. So a lot of people will, will avoid salt or, you know, um, we're always low on, you know, magnesium, vitamin D, that type of thing. So when I see pickles, then I know that this person needs some electrolytes in some way. And then I can go on further with muscle testing or something like that to be able to determine what is their best course. Is it supplements? Is it just simply eating a bag of chips or is it uh doing a gatorade you know um depending on what what their body tells me after that point but at least that's the initial trigger uh, but i tend to get more than one at the same time so i will get if i see another one is um i had a patient come in and all of a sudden i heard i love avocados and i could see an avocado but it was like a really happy feeling like the body was yeah. happy to see this avocado and then shortly afterwards, I saw eggs and it was really irritating to me, like eggs, eggs, okay. eggs, 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 you know, it was just really irritating. So then that tells me right there, it, it helps me to gauge what the body is really trying to say. Avocados, I know how the body feels about things that it likes because of how it showed me the avocado. And then when it comes to the eggs, to me, that's telling me that the body wants me to bring up that maybe eggs aren't best for this person at this time. Either they've been eating too many, either they have a sensitivity to it or an allergy, but they might want to consider evaluating how much they're eating and what how they feel when they don't eat it or and when they do eat it. So though it's it's kind of interesting how I can see something, but then based on whatever else comes with it, then I can actually have a better understanding of what the body's trying to communicate. And yeah. then even other things like, um, you know, I know that, you know, a hand coming at me with, with a bouquet of flowers, you know, a lot of people might think, oh, you need, originally I thought, oh, they need more grounding. They need to be outside. They need to be with nature, but it actually just turns out that it's their body um, wants to acknowledge some kind of celebration, either a birthday or an anniversary or something that they're, you know, they want to celebrate. So yeah. it, it takes a while, but it's, it's still really fun to, I know. Create that vocabulary. I I basically I, the times I spend in clinic with 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 uh, the people I work with, and we're working on somebody, and I can just be there all day, and I just sit there, mm -hmm. just like, oh, this is new, this is interesting, yes. oh, I haven't seen this before. And it really depends on the practitioner I work with. Uh, when I'm working with TCM practitioners, you know, it's all about you know various um, you know meridians or things showing up and. You know, because I don't particularly have a background in the language, but I, I can see exactly where it is. I mean, I do have some knowledge of it, um, but it's interesting when you see the meridians, it's like, okay, wait a minute, well, that's long, that's new. It's like, and then it's like when they start seeing it and then we start conversing, it's like, oh yeah, that's the meridian there. Oh, that's, that's long, that's long one. And, you know, or that's uh, GB20 and they're all like, you know, it's like, oh my God. And they're, it's just, yeah, I love that aspect of it. And then you can see the different symbols because again, their symbols are going to be different than what you're getting which is always Absolutely. fascinating because culturally, depending on who the individual is, like, I mean, everything's going to rain differently. You know, somebody who's mm -hmm. basically a, a, a Westerner is going to be their philosophy and, and their understanding, depending on their culture too, it's going to be have a different way of, of understanding certain things like certain colors mean certain things to certain cultures, you know, certain foods represent certain things. So it's always this kind of nice mishmash of different things. And it's, that's part of the fun, I think too, as well as trying to figure it all out. I get pretty jazzed about that. It's like, oh, that's cool. Oh, I didn't see that before. Yeah, you get to be a, a body detective. <laughs> yeah. You're absolutely right. I mean, someone, if they come in and I, you know, I see a, a, a ball over their uh, right side, just below their, their, like right at the rib cage. Okay, there's something there and it could be muscular. It could be the liver. It could be emotional because liver is, oh is like anger, right? So then I will, and then it, that's where I think, having a background in some kind of healthcare helps because you can can go through a menu and kind of come up with what direction to go what needs to be uh, attended to and is it just one thing or is it multiple things so multiple is it things. the liver because they've been drinking but is it because they've also been um, they're angry and they find that they wake up every night at 2 a.m with hot sweats so then you know like it's it's it leads you down this oh <laughs> like wait a minute yeah are you tapping are you tapping into me like what's going well, on there or myself. <laughs> it's COVID, damn it. Yeah, yeah, that damn alcohol, yeah. that liver. I always say, you know, it's excessive heat liver. That's what, you know, my TCM right. is yes. it's excessive heat liver. And it's like, oh my God, that's just, no, I'm just an angry guy that drinks a lot. <laughs> I, haven't, I still have those unresolved issues I need to deal with <laughs> and the anger, which I keep thinking I, I dealt with, but apparently not.
Yeah. I've learned that too recently that apparently there's a lot of layers. <laughs> when oh you God. think you might have gotten something, there might be something more. <laughs> What's the deal with that, right? Couldn't just make, yeah. couldn't like, you know, gods could say, you know, listen, I'm going to make this a little bit easier. I'm just going to give you a couple layers and then you can figure out. But all these multiple layers and multiple layers and just keep peeling it off. And it's just like, oh, I thought I dealt with that. No, no, apparently not. And it's amazing how, you know, when you're supposed to be dealing with it, it shows up in your face so quickly. It's like, oh, by the way, let's, let's, uh, let's just trigger you and see if you kind of work through it. And it's like, yeah, apparently not. I would like to know before we come here and we're making our plan, do we giggle at these situations or... <laughs> <laughs> like we're like yeah this is what i'm gonna do to myself i'm gonna you know yeah because it's fun over there or is it you know very serious and being like no i want to learn compassion and i'm gonna do it by you know you know by having these kind of experiences or um suffering in this way you know like I, i'm curious i guess we'll find out one day <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like to think there, but from my sometimes understanding, I think there's like a boardroom that we're not invited to that meeting. Uh, <laughs> and then there, everybody's kind of working on behind the scenes, kind of figure out what you're going to do. And it's like, oh, it's we're going to be surprised. But, you know, they come on and go, oh my God, this is going to be the best thing in the world. You're going to love this lifetime. It's going to be so much fun. You're going to have lots of chances to have a, a lot of opportunities to grow and have fun. Meanwhile, behind the scene, they're going, yeah, we're going to put this, this thing in here. He's going to be ill and he's going to have this. He's going to have that or you know, and it's like, okay, great. great. And then you kind of go, goody, goody, goody. I'll go through the veil of forgetfulness and then show up in his little body. And it's like, and then you realize 50 years later and go, oh, they lied to me. Those bastards. <laughs> yes. How dare they? Oh, God, no. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's like, I didn't choose that mother. Come on. I know. <laughs> I didn't choose. I didn't choose my brother. Oh my God. <laughs> Yeah. That was my friends. Oh, well, how the hell did that happened? So I know. And then it all comes down to the fact that it was your choice. So I know. All, oh, I know. That's fault. the hard part. Except it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to have to deal with it. I yeah, apparently I, wanted this. Right. Yeah. I wanted to win the lottery too, but I didn't get that. I know. I have a question for you. All you right. Oh, we're going to, we're going to reverse the roles here. Are we? Yes. I'm kind of curious because um, I don't get to talk about medical intuitiveness with too many people. Okay. And one thing that I do find is when you approach someone holistically, yep. first of all, it's my belief that the body heals itself and that yep. I'm merely a facilitator. I create little changes in the body to free up those blockages so that people can heal themselves. But when you're looking at things holistically, I find that it's almost the body is telling me just baby steps. You know, because it's really trying to get the body to hear or the person to hear what it is that they need to do. And a lot of times it's personal development, personal growth, right. personal work. And do you find that too? 100%. That's 95 or 98% of the times that's yes. the, what do I do for readings is exactly that. It's just little baby steps to kind of get them to go into the direction that they need to go to, on their healing, on their journey, on their soul's journey uh, and to do that. And that's exactly it. It's like little baby steps. You need to change this, a little change that. Just give them a little guidance, you know, just go over here. Just, you got to change this. This is what's going on. And it just helps them, you know, evolve their own understanding of themselves and give a better understanding of, you know, what's causing those certain things that they can just change themselves. It's really about empowering. That's what I really like about it. It's just, it's empowering them to make those changes, you know, because everybody wants to get fixed, but nobody wants to do the work, you know? And I was, I've been guilty of that. It's like, you know, just fix me, just fix me. Oh, yeah. But no, it, it comes down to it. It's, it's, I have to kind of fix myself mm -hmm. and it's just like tools, but yeah, 100%. On that, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I was kind of curious about that. I it made sense to me on all levels, but I I've been noticing it a lot more lately, yeah. and I think maybe it could be also the situation. You know, I'm I'm finding there's a lot of people resistant to joy, just even moving towards joy. And I think the further, you know, the more difficult times people are experiencing, and the more maybe their vibration comes down into those lower vibrating emotions. Um, the body's craving joy more, but it's, it's, it's challenging. I find to motivate people to move towards joy, do what they find is joyful. Yeah. I think a lot of it just, it's fear. It's just fear of the unknown. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, it's loss of identity too. And we get so stuck in our stories 
you know, I was stuck in my story for so long. I didn't even know I was in a story until you kind of look mm -hmm. back and then you realize, oh, I'm back in my story. And then it's realized you just like, well, wait a minute, hold on. But then it's just, a, it's so comfortable. It's so new. It's like, for me, I, I mean, I'm exactly that person. I didn't know what joy is. I have no, I mean, you could describe to me. And that's what always drives me nuts. Is like when you go to, when you listen to these meditation tapes and these certain people, it's like, oh, get into get the feeling of joy. Get into the feeling. And part of my brain's gone, I don't fucking know what joy is. I have no clue what that is. <laughs> I couldn't describe that feeling if you paid me to. I had no clue on that. There's no way. Mm -hmm. Joy? What's joy? But then, you know, eventually there was some truth to it. You know, it just got to let go. But again, that was more of a stuck energy that was in my body. Like everything was just stuck in there, like energetically, the emotions. And then once, like, let's just say, for example, we talk about the liver. Once you start working on that liver and that anger starts going, it's like all this release of energy. And that energy is basically, that's that joy that sits in there. So the body kind of goes, Ooh, what's that? That's weird. But you got to do the work in order to get there. And again, most people don't want to do the work. Give me a pill, fix me. And then I'm on my way. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately it's not like that. It's right. kind of sucks. And, and maybe, you know, we talked about it where we hope there's a future. We, there will be a future where, Western and Eastern and medical intuitiveness and the whole realm of holistic health come together and work together to inspire everyone to be their best self, their healthiest self, rather than, not that I don't like doctors, but you know, there's Western medicine and they prescribe pills or there's those of us in healthcare who might be more promoting having some kind of system in place to help with healing and personal growth like it would be nice if they came together and it wasn't just always the easy solution of taking a pill and people were more more motivated and inspired to take responsibility for their own health and I, be their I, own I, health advocate I, I think it i think it will i mean it's just like so. it's like anything it just sometimes it does take a little bit of time you know we got you got to change a lot of minds people have to mm -hmm. kind of learn themselves you know to take action um, you know, we get so dependent on everybody else to take care of us and mm -hmm. we get into that victim state. So, I mean, I, I mean, it's really interesting. I firmly believe it's, there's a precipice of change and it's just, it takes, you know, all it takes, like, if you think about it, it only takes one medical doctor to have that change of thought. And all of a sudden their life, like everything around them changes. That one whole aspect of it just changes. It only takes one and that, and depending on where they are, because they're already at that status, that level of I'm a doctor. And it's such a kind of that status way of thinking and where that ability is. And if it only takes one, and then they start influencing other doctors and they start looking at other aspects. Because I always believe bottom line, becoming a doctor is one of those gifts to humanity because you really are in service. It's just the, just the, it's just the product of the medical industry is not the best product. But the, I think at the heart level, those people who are, are doctors and, you know, whether it's a, an MD or a naturopath and things like that, they're, they're really in the process of healing. They're really helping mm -hmm. that service. It's just sometimes it's just a little shift in, in, in thought process and how to develop it. But I think there, I think it's going to happen. I mm -hmm. mean, I'm trying to do my part. And I think if you do your part, it's about educating people and just helping them kind of see the differences on things like that. And then I think it just snowballs from there. I agree. And, and, you know, your, your show is so wonderful for that because, uh, you know, a lot of times people just don't know what they don't know. And they don't know that there's other options out there. There's, they don't know that there's other ways. And hopefully, yeah, by you spreading the word and, and saying, hey, look, there are these other ways of doing things. And there seems to be some kind of benefit here. Why don't we kind of pause for a moment and take a look and, and give it a try? Yeah, yeah, I think that's well said. Mm -hmm. So Don, we're almost out of time. Oh, that went by so fast. It went by, like, I know, you know, people think, oh, wow. Like, but next, you know, you're, ch you're chatting away and then it's like 50 minutes later, it's like, we're almost like, we're done. Like, it's just yeah, absolutely amazing. That is, wow. So that being said, Don, um, you're going to have to market yourself a little bit there. So you're going to have to tell everybody <laughs> out there in the World Wide web who's listening on, these, on Spotify, Anchor and all that stuff, but also people who are watching the video on YouTube, um, where can they find you if they want to have a consultation um, if you're locally, uh, you're, you're in the Canada, in the Toronto GTA area, and they want to find your services, uh, how can they find you? Okay, well, I am in Caledon, 
okay. so northwest of Toronto. And my business name is Being Alchemy. So they can always look me up on the internet, beingalchemy.ca. You can also type in my name, Don Rockall. There's always a whole bunch of stuff like that on there too. And if you wanted uh, help with learning about all the different areas too, your podcast is fabulous because of the of, of the content. You go into such detail, which is nice. But then I also have a, a YouTube channel myself with my friend Karen. And we touch on the different modalities that uh, healthcare providers can can do to, of service for people to help them find their way to being their best selves as well. And that or that uh, show is Spiritual Superpowers on YouTube. And fabulous we also show. have a website. Spirit, pardon me. Fabulous, fabulous show. Oh, I just have to I have you. to say. Yes. Well, it's all the fact about that our I was guests. on it too as well. Fabulous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Likewise, that's a, it's 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 reciprocal too as well. You gotta have good uh, guests, right? Thank you. Yeah, it's all about good energy, having the same thing, and that's what I, uh, you know, I think it's really important. Now we're just we're building our community. We're helping people out. I got this really amazing email the other day. I'll just want to quietly sh- uh, quite share. Um, I had a lady reach out to me on Facebook, and uh, from the states, and she was just so happy. She's struggling. She's on her her journey. And, you know, with COVID and stuff like that, and she lost her job, but she says, you know, thanks for putting out this podcast, you know, this, this free information. And it kind of like, you know, I, f- I finally said, oh, this shit's working. You know, yeah. if I can just, it, fi- it felt so good. And I, I really appreciate that. So if you are listening, um, again, thank you so much for listening too as well. Cause I really appreciate that too, because, you know, that's part of this whole thing, this process, you know, the fact that you and Karen, myself and everybody out there who are doing these podcasts and just trying to educate and inspire people to help make them make changes during this crazy time. So Don, and let them know they're not alone. You yeah. know, like there are people out there and, and just like, like-minded people, you can find your tribe anywhere and hopefully yeah, find the tribe, find the tribe. I like that. <laughs> Well, that being said, Don, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time. You know, you're such a lovely energy. Um, yeah, if you're looking for an amazing uh, massage, you want to get healed, you want to have an amazing um, feel good, feel better. Um, and if you want a consultation, please contact Don for sure. Um, I hope, uh, you know, I hope this, I hope you get super busy. <laughs> thank you. You may have to open your I own clinic. I hope I can help people. That's what it is. Pardon me? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to open up a second uh, location and hire people now <laughs> and train them how in your special techniques. So well, I think that's good. you send your trainers, like your trainees to yeah. me, and then we'll set up shop. Maybe we should talk after <laughs> this and maybe we'll figure something out because, yeah, yeah. there's going to be a lot of great people. So, that being said, Don, I'm just going to close off this show here. So, this has been the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpot. Thank you so much for joining me today and goodbye for now.